the south side of Charlotte, not the Steel Creek side of yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, so... In the same room for the first time. We're in the same time. room. <laughs> we're in the same room for the first <laughs> live broadcast of the Skeptics Over Everything podcast. Yes, yes. And um, today's topic is a interesting one. Yes. Very interesting. Yes. So I'm going to say what brought this conversation on, and then we can just jump right into it. We have a mutual friend who recently moved to Atlanta Mm -hmm. two years ago and young single guy. uh, And he recently, within the last couple of weeks, he sent me a message uh, on Instagram. We were talking and I asked him how things were going in Atlanta for him. He's been there for two years now. And immediately as a young single guy, he immediately talked about what dating has been like for him in Atlanta. And when I was listening to, you know, reading his messages and listening to him talk, it was just bringing back memories of the time that we spent in Atlanta for 10 years and what dating was like for us. And from the time we've left, we left, we left Atlanta in 2007. So that's what, 14 years now we've been gone. And. Yep. That's it. It hasn't. It doesn't sound like it's. Not only has it not changed, but it sounds like it's gotten much worse from what it was. And you know, so I was. I talked to you about that, and we said this was a good podcast topic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm doing a little research because it's something I'm going to say later on. But yes, <laughs> okay, it so. is. It's different. Um, you know, I found my challenges there, um, and I know Kevin, you found yours as oh, well. Man. And, um, you know, Atlanta was a place where it was easy to get focused on a lot of things and not the right thing. Right. So because of that, you ran into situations where that broke into the relationship that you had with others. Yes. And um, as I, my last, I guess want to say maybe three months there, I realized that, you know, for what I wanted to be in life, I had to kind of look at where I was and determine is Atlanta the best for me moving forward because of the landscape there as far as dating. Cause it's mm-hmm. Atlanta is an easy place to date and that's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to say who this person is, uh, but I am going to, I'm going to share with, with you and the audience what he specifically said about, you know, his opinion about, what he's seen as far as dating in Atlanta and how familiar it all sounded. And so, um, I, here's, here's, I'm going to read back some of the message. So I just said, Hey man, how's Atlanta treating you? He said, bro, Atlanta is a wild place. He said, I know, I know, I now see why God didn't allow me to move here in my twenties after college instead of, uh, instead he made me wait till my thirties which made more made me more mature. He said, my relationship um, with God has grown stronger. Um, he said, I feel like he sheltered me and protected me from a lot of foolishness and ratchetness here. Laugh out loud. He's, he's straight up. He's telling the truth. Um, he said he had established friends here already. But then we started talking about the, the dates, the dating scene, because he's not really into like partying and stuff like that. But he said dating here has been both interesting and challenging. Meaning of course, there is a lot, there is a lot, there are a lot of women here and I have dated more in the past two years than I ever had in my life. He said last year I had a date with a woman who was married, not separated. She said that she was thinking about leaving her husband so she wanted to start dating. He said, you have to, you have to deal with foolishness like that here. And I'm going to stop there. But, but when he said that, it, it really just made me think about some of the main reasons why we left Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, so just hearing that, you tell me what your thoughts are. Um, so we know all the statistics about Atlanta as far as men to women ratio is true right Mm -hmm. so you have a lot of professional men and women that live there 
but you don't have a lot of men that satisfy what a woman is looking for in a lot of different ways, right? Right. So what happens, you end up in situations where two things happen. One, you have some men who feel like they have to pick up the litter. Mm -hmm. So because of that, they can date whoever they want to date when they want to date them, regardless if they're in something already. So that's the first thing that that can happen. Um, The second thing that can happen, and these are two, these are not the best scenarios. You have some women who don't care what that gentleman is doing or Mm -hmm. who he's dating. And because of that, they feel like if I see it, I want you and I'm going to have you. So you run into these situations where people have a hard time dealing with commitment. But that's just one side of it. Mm -hmm. The original side, what I was talking about earlier, is that you really get caught up in things professionally. And that affects your relationship. It affects you wanting to grow a family because you have so many things you have to deal with that are important to you. I mean, you can get a lot of money in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Networking gets huge. And all of this basically causes problems with creating a family structure there. Yeah. Now we have some people who have done some outstanding jobs, um, as far as raising a family, having some amazing kids, but it's difficult. It's mm-hmm. difficult because you're dealing with all these different elements. And that's yeah. just, those are just some of the lighthearted topics that happen there. But yeah, what's your take? it's, it's definitely. So, so just think about the optics and the dynamics of this. We, we spent 10 years in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we got to see two different dating scenes, the college dating scene and then the professional. When we stopped, you know, living and we were working in our professional careers, we got to see that side of it as well. Mm -hmm. And it really the only difference that I saw, not necessarily in, you know, the mindsets of, you know, the women that we were running into. They were really they really weren't that much different than the college as opposed to the professional, which you would think that when you get into the professional career side of, you know, I just work and, you know, live on live in my apartment or wherever I live. And I have like social stuff that goes on on the weekends, um, as opposed to everything that's attached to being in college and living in a, you know, a college setting on campus or what have you. And. For you know, I I think I can say for both of us, we ran into the same issues over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, as we did in college, as we did when we were out of college and school wasn't. You know, we were in our professional careers, and the actual city really has an effect mm-hmm. on what happens and how you date, and you know what you know what all comes with that because. It's a lot, man. It is a lot. It, it's 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 a whole lot, and you know we didn't even realize the animal that Atlanta itself is as a city until we moved away from it. You know what I mean? I think we realized it, and we both got to a point where we had to. We knew we had to leave if we were going to do, you know, be successful in the next phase of our lives. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we did Atlanta in our twenties, right? And so. For this guy to say, I see why I didn't, I wasn't allowed to do Atlanta in my 20s because I wasn't mature enough. Right. But we did it. Like, our t- Atlanta raised us, like, in terms of maturity. Like, we grew up, you know, as men in that city. And, and we're looking at both sides of it. And I, and I think now, I know for a fact that if I had stayed in Atlanta, I don't think I would be... In the in the position I'm in right now. No, I don't. I doubt it, man. Um, I doubt it very seriously because um, it was a you know my professional life at the time, and I didn't have an extravagant job, but I was making some pretty decent money. Mm-hmm. But just as far as the routine for me had basically formed, right? It was work, and this really had happened even in, when I was in school, right? But it was work, it was dating. It was partying and the partying had turned into more like social lounge type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you drink here and have a little light drink here, whatever. But it was all about kicking it with people, whatever. And then I worked in a very social environment, too, at the time. You know, I worked right. working at Nordstrom and um, that was my routine. It was constantly the same. The same movement. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't I was noticing that uh, at the time, me being a young dad, that I was not giving the time I wanted to with my daughters at a such at a such a young age. Right. Um, 
And it wasn't like I was an absentee dad. It wasn't the case. You know, of course, I would still get them every other weekend and do things like that. But I wanted to be more of a dad so potentially I could be a better husband and father rather right. than being the guy that's on the scene mm-hmm. and just working professionally. And, um, yeah. and at the time, too, you know, I was going through that second evolution as far as my walk with Christ, too. And that was huge for me. So right. that was something that was awakening me not to be something that every everybody else was, too. So I was like... I can't keep living like this if I want to be a better father, a better husband in the future and all these different things. Right. And professionally, that would come. I'm not a dumb dude. So I know right. once I got into a position, I would be fine. But um, all of that wouldn't wouldn't have happened if I would have stayed there. I would no. have been just going through this same motion of <laughs> dating and dating. Dating and dating. And, and, you know, here's here's how I feel looking back. And when I when I listen to this this young guy, you know, talk about what his experience has been. Immediately, I was like, I can totally believe all of this right. is happening. I believe all of it. And, you know, from our point when we were growing up, we were really embracing and leaning into you know, our Christian walk. Yep. And looking back now, I feel like we really would not have had a stable support, you know, for us being, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a godly marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that it's impossible because, you know, I believe that there are some marriages that are working in Atlanta for sure. But if we look at the vast majority of the people that were around us, these were marriages that were, you know, people were divorced, mm-hmm. they were separated, or if they were if they were still married at home, it was you know a good chance it was more like a roommate situation, right? Um, and in Atlanta at that time, it was just kind of like that stuff is typical. So mm-hmm. everything is like, oh, that's what you're going through. Yeah, I am too, but you can still you know, but there's still options out here. And I really don't feel like it was a lot of people out there like, man, you need to really try to make your make your marriage work or, you know, work it out with your girlfriend, go to counseling and some of now that stuff might be happening now. Right. But you know, it, it I mean is it that, wasn't it no. was no one talking like that, right? Like I didn't get my first like marriage view personally mm-hmm. until we got here we yeah. was at world worship center yeah right? that was the first time i had heard any of that information but um relationships in atlanta were like a flame mm-hmm. they'll burn hot then yep. they'll burn out you yep. know and it was a situation that's like uh you're dealing with holding on to things that had burned out yeah um but you got into it with the wrong mindset so whether it was a situation you know you just had a, a connection you know for something, some type of commonality, or you had a connection with the person physically, which happens yep. a lot. Atlanta, that happens a lot, is, right? It's something lot. physical, um, or you're working with someone and you have a connection, or you have some type of connection to this person, maybe from they went to the AUC or something, whatever, right? But it's not anything concrete, right? I had no relationship in Atlanta, and this is no knock to anyone else because this is where we were. Again, we were in our twenties. Nothing started with a. You're a believer. I'm a believer. Nope. Type of type of start. None of it started that way. None of it. And um, it was always something carnal or something fleshly that made us get to this relationship and get connected. You know. So here's the crazy part to what you just said. That wasn't even happening with the girls that we were meeting in church. No. <laughs> it was not. It was not. And you know, again, we've had people that did meet each other in church mm-hmm. that had that relationship. But for us, that wasn't the case. No. So we were constantly bumping our heads, man. And it was it was gosh, it was this in and out of yeah. the same type <clears throat> of feeling. And it was getting so redundant and old. And I'm man, I just remember those feelings like, gosh, this is really annoying. This this just yeah. this feeling of it was cool, y'all date, you kick it, and then it burns out, and it's like, okay. It's the, the hamster wheel, just oh is like gosh. so, it's ridiculous, and I feel like if you, if we, like, all the married couples that we knew, that we had associations with, they were all people that we went to college with, mm-hmm. 
And understandably so, it's like when you're in college, <clears throat> we all have, you know, girls that we met, that we liked, that we had relationships with, that were on, on again, off again, or whatever. And these couples, you know, end up, you know, they wind up together. But it was rare that we met somebody like you had somebody new where they came with some, you know, a girl that they met or a guy that they met that nobody knew. And we we were able to see a relationship work out. You know what I mean? And the attachments, you know, I think because the common you say you, you talk about the commonalities that people have and, you know, the AUC was definitely one of them. Like it's yeah. a you have that common ground with somebody immediately like if you. Even if you run into a girl that you meet in the mall and she goes to Spelman or she right. went to Clark, you have that common ground of, oh, okay, well, you went to HBCU and you went to the AUC, you you know, from the AUC, you know, that's at least a conversation starter. And then you can kind of go from there. But, man, it just, it was, it was like a wash, rinse, repeat type of thing. And there was really, like, I don't think anybody... It wasn't a mindset for longevity, right? In relationships, there. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. And you know, it was. You know, I, I went through a couple of different phases personally, right? Mm-hmm. So when I got to Atlanta, I never had been in a relationship, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. So right. I went from, um, I went out of a relationship with someone I was dating in Detroit. Mm-hmm. A year off, didn't really date anybody like that. And then sophomore year, I went to another relationship. And then a junior year, I basically had a college sweetheart for the mm-hmm. whole entire time. Um, and that was a up and down relationship, you know, between that who was end up being the uh, the mother of my two beautiful daughters. Right. But it was a up and down type of thing. We were trying to be in a relationship at a very young age. Um, and didn't know how to do it. Yeah. And we caused a lot of strain on both of us. Mm-hmm. Not harm, but strain. Yeah. So eventually when that when that ended and I was in my last couple of years in Atlanta and I didn't know they were going to be my last couple of years in Atlanta, I went to this um, dating exclusively thing. And then mm-hmm. I started to just, da- just work professionally, dating a lot of women. And they were, some of them were, the commonality for me was work. Yeah. I met some of these women at work. But then mm-hmm. I start the other thing, the other commonality was Buckhead. I literally yeah. did a lot of yes. dating because of Buckhead. And it was the same thing. And we were on the scene. Yeah. <laughs> we were on the scene. But I would be honest, um, they all were aggressive. Yeah. They all were aggressive. You know, and I mean I, at the time I didn't really see it that way, but when I look at it now, I'm not raising an eight year old son, I'm like, they were, you know, they know what they wanted. No yeah. knock, I guess no knock on them, but mm-hmm. you know, it's kinda at the time, it was hard to turn that down. Yeah. And that really had that feeling of, God, this is, it felt this way now, and then it kind of burns out, and you're like, God, I've been, what was I doing, type of thing, and then you feel bad about wasting their time, and yeah, sir. But it so was, that was easy. The I went through. Yeah, but it was, see, this, it was easy to wrap your head around wasting somebody's time and right. having your time wasted because... Like you said, that ratio of women to men, we knew that yeah. as soon as we got off one ride, there was another one we could get on. It was, it was, or the next bus was coming along and we wouldn't have to wait long for it. And so knowing that you don't work as hard to keep your relationships going because you know that the next option is not far behind. So the really, the, there's plenty of fish in the sea. Mm-hmm. That phrase definitely applies to a city like Atlanta. And I think it's, it's, I think it's changed the dynamic as far as, as far as relationships right now, because, you know, if we talked about before, it's this battle of the sexes that's happening mm-hmm. now because you have highly professional women and highly professional men that look like you and I that aren't going to budge on who is going to be <laughs> the king of the castle now, yeah, right? exactly. And a lot of it has come from um, a mindset that I can make it just as much as much or more than you can, or I'm making as much as you can. Why do I have to be the stereotypical guy or female? So now it's trickled down to a point where 
but it's actually degraded to a mm. point where relationship is about you know who's <laughs> who's going to give in first right yeah. so it is like when I hear like what's happening like on social media or whatever and it all I feel like it came to a head with Kevin Samuels thank you I was just going to bring him up Kevin Samuels when he made some things clear as far as how we have been approaching relationships as men for a long time yes, and how we have, we could do better as far as stating who we should be in a relationship than allowing what we sh- being told what we should be in a relationship. When that happened, then women were like, wait, 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 mm-hmm. wait, wait, wait. You can't tell us what we should be doing. And right. then I don't think it's gotten any better since. It hasn't. Cause we didn't have, Terms like modern woman. Nope. High value male. The high value oh male. God. That stuff was not, it didn't exist. It didn't. And we didn't, we didn't have a name for it. And we've had this conversation so many times. It's like from listening to Kevin Samuels. That aggravates me. It high does. value males and modern women. That's, what does it even mean? Yeah. It's just. Labels. Yeah. They're labels. But in a lot of ways, they're, they're appropriate to, because we can we can call it something and we have talked about this at length you know looking back on having those labels and thinking about the women that we deal dealt with in college mm-hmm. and in the professional scene we can say I dealt with somebody just like that but I didn't know to call it that right. you know I didn't know where that where that came from, I just thought, you know, she was some anomaly that, oh, this is just how she is. We didn't realize that we were up against a mindset or a mentality that was, you know, rooted in a lot of what these women were going through right. in terms of what they were trying to create for themselves. And really what we didn't know at the mo- what it was deeply rooted in was feminism and the yeah. whole feminist movement. Like we didn't understand, like we didn't. We didn't start throwing around the word feminism until five years ago, you know, like not like that. And, you know, we look at the attitudes that we dealt with and the pushback that we got. And even, you know, you think about the the women that, you know, we even when we might have been thinking about dating, but we actually didn't date. It was a reason that we saw like, you know, I don't think I'm going to jail with this person, you know. Um, unless it could be like a fling, you know what I mean? Um, so Kevin Samuels, definitely we have to thank for shedding some light or pulling back the covers on, or what it was that we were going through. So, but you know what? I don't think Kevin Samuels message was heard correctly. No, I would agree. And I mean, on both sides mm-hmm. because Kevin Samuel his message and I mean don't get me wrong yeah he has some very direct indirect type things that we that he said that we didn't always agree with but he was all about what can we do as far as mainly he was talking about black men and black women to come together to create families like that was his whole thing because anytime he talked with someone and they would criticize him he would say look the proof is in the pudding Yep. I had this many couples that got together. I had these individuals get married, right? Because they saw um, whether it was the woman who saw some of the things that she could do better or the guy who maybe made some changes to himself so he could find a wife. That's really what his goal was. But the problem, you only heard the criticism right? a lot of times. And you only saw the situation where he was talking about average at best, right? Yep. You didn't really see what he was trying to do. And the men... We have a lot of guys talking about their high value and you have no idea what what a high value guy is, right? What a high value man is. So it's falsely misinterpreted. And then I think what happened to a lot of women, they start bucking. It was like, we're going to be even more of this modern woman now because you're trying to tell us who we should be and we're not going to bow down. So even now I'll see clips on YouTube of women that that are marrying themselves. Clips of Women who say, I'll never, ever bow down to a man. Never. And I'll never um, be, um, you know. There have even been clips of women who are in relationships that I've, I've heard them say, why should I have to please my man? Right. Please him. I'll never yeah. submit to a man. Yeah. I'm just like, 
you know, why don't you want to give up that much of yourself to someone that you love? Exactly. Period. You know, and that's for both parties. Like, you know, I saw something and this was on social media and it's the truth. You have to get in a relationship to give 100 percent of yourself, Mm -hmm. each person. But we've come to a point now where each person is basically deciding how much of me that you give. And if you don't give it to me, I might go get it elsewhere. Yep. So and that's not fair, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as relationships. But that's what's that's what's happened when it comes to and I see it comes to Atlanta. I think it would, you know, Atlanta now nobody wants to wants to budge. So how is a relationship going to grow if that keeps keeps happening? No. And what so one thing that Kevin Samuels did was he pulled back the covers on and he busted through a lot of uh, labels. And one of the ones he did was what you just talked about. He said that, you know, you go into we we, we grew up hearing that relationships are 50 50. Right. And immediately he was like, that's <laughs> yeah. not true. He's like, I give 100 percent. You give 100 percent. It's not. I can do half and you can do half right. and it's supposed to make a whole. That's not reality. No, it's not possible. And nobody know, thought who, in those terms. Where's this other half going? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> nobody <laughs> thought in those terms. So honestly, man, he really kind of switched some light bulbs on. Right. And the other thing was like with the attitudes of the women that we were running into, he was asking a question that we didn't know to ask and he you know he would ask women all the time why do you think you can have it all right and we didn't we never thought about that in those terms we just thought you know looking at it like we weren't enough so yep yeah and it was just unfortunate because they never had an answer ever they always would look at it as if well, why shouldn't I? And the fact that they thought they should have a guy that was making six figures or and it's even gotten crazier. Now I see some of these young women on podcasts. I saw something and I don't know the name of it. You probably do. The host is this white gentleman. Um, just Pearlie has been on his show and he seems to always interview people from the manosphere. But anyway, he has some young lady on his show and she said, oh, my guy has to be making 60 million dollars. I said 60 million. Why do you need that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you how do you get to a point where you're asking where you're telling someone that my guy has to make 60 million or 70 million dollars? That's absurd. Like, how do you? Maybe it's a circle she runs in, but it's that mindset. But I've also saw, um, and Abern Preach always the ones that tend to find these videos <laughs> where they interviewed a bunch of, I think it was either millennial or Gen Z women, and they were asking them how much should their husband be making. And all of them were in the millions. And I was like, wait. And they all were in college, basically wrapping up their collegiate careers. But all of them were saying they was they needed men in the million that made millions of dollars. I was like, wow, that's not even that's really difficult to find. The chances of you having a millionaire husband, I don't care how how strong your faith is, it's still slim. Okay, it's just as probably as high as you playing the millionaire. I mean, playing a lot on becoming a millionaire, it's, it's not going to happen. No, and and here's the thing: like the terms in which they want that to happen. The $60 million man that they want, he also has to be good looking and tall. Oh, my God. And he has to have, you know, these physical attributes to go along with the financial attributes. But look, let me let me flip it. That's right. But then we have the Derek Jacks. Okay. <laughs> and and Derek Jacks, Jackson. Derek I'm Jackson. Him, I'm going to call him Derek Jacks. Yeah. Okay. That's what his <laughs> name is. This guy has been... Telling women what they should be doing for years. You know, we all know what happened with him. Mr. Jax decided to cheat on his wife and said he's going to get back with her. Ended up leaving her and their kids. And he started dating women that are probably toxic for his health. Mm -hmm. He's dating women that even other women would be like, so this is what what you choose. This is what's right. Like, so you had a God-fearing wife. And don't get me wrong, his wife is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a little, he's a little weird. That's being kind. Yes. Yeah. But at the same time, like you you are going after the women that probably aren't good for your future. 
So you're mortgaging your future on looks, you know, whether it's the BBLs and mm-hmm. the long hair. Like you're not really setting a standard as much as you're pawn. You're telling women they can have it all, but you're choosing a certain type of woman to date yourself. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. And and here's the other, the fruit of the poison tree that is Atlanta that we haven't even touched on yet, and we we. We've talked about how the mentality of the city kind of makes people conform. Yeah, because does. we grew up, we 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 lived in Atlanta at a time where it was exploding in terms yeah. of music, uh, the the hip hop scene, the music, you know, crunk music. We we saw the birth of that. Dude, you said crunk music, right? <laughs> Oh my God! You we said that all I saw was Lil John, Lil John. Like twelve songs Listen, at the same time. He, we saw that the Bone Crusher, all of that man. I mean, we already had Outcast. We we already had that, but then the, this explosion, Ludacris. You know, the Southern rap, the Southern hip hop genre, the so so deaf, all of that stuff. The R&B, it blew up, and with that came this celebrity mentality. Of living in the city, and yeah, that if you come to Atlanta, just come man, here and you sir, can make it. Like it. there was a meme that I saw, and it is hilarious, dude. And I saw, it and I could, I saved it, and it's a, it's a meme of a guy and a girl, and he says, the girl says, I don't have a job, and the other guy says, I don't have a job either, and then they both say, let's move to Atlanta. <laughs> I saw that, man. So, look, in Atlanta, it's illegal to be average. (laughs) You are breaking the rules of the city if you're average. Average pay, average looks, average swag. It's illegal. You have to come off as a celebrity in pretty much everything you do. It's the code of the streets. And if you don't, if if you do that, you're looked at below everyone else. Mm-hmm. It is such a hierarchy of making sure you're up to par that most people can't keep up with it. Yeah. It's impossible. Um and, and now don't get me wrong, it does have if you can channel it correctly, you can be very successful. Mm-hmm. You can do things the right way. But let's be honest, most people get eaten alive. Right? Oh my God. Atlanta has become a black Hollywood. And yeah. we know people move to Hollywood to lose everything. Yep. And the same thing happens in Atlanta, right? So, I mean, <laughs> you know, and I, man, I see it so much. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, a, a specific individual I went to school with. No, I can bring this a lot closer and I'm not going to. But it's just, you, you cannot kick this spirit, this air of being something more than whatever you know, God wants you to be. You, yeah. you, you're like, I have to get make sure that I'm on a level that impresses everyone. Otherwise, I am not enough. Yeah, you, it's it's like a high level of it's a high level of weird insecurity. Very. That's where I can. Very. I can explain it. How many people do we know that moved to Atlanta and decided all of a sudden when they got there that they want to be? Involved in the music industry. Oh my God! I don't know. I wonder if that still happens like it used to. When we first got to Atlanta, everybody, everybody was either trying to promote, sing, rap, or dance or something. Or do yeah. So Atlanta has grown, like has studios now. So you might have more people trying to become actors and actresses. Um, but I wonder if it's still the same as far as the music scene. I don't know if there were any. So we we lived in Atlanta from ninety seven to two thousand seven. Right. And at that time, the reality shows for Atlanta had not. There really were there were none. There were none. There was no. Nobody was filming movies. Tyler Perry was nope. still just doing stage. He was on plays. a chilling circuit. Yeah. It's absolutely on a chilling circuit. It was. He might have. Did he have any movies? While no, we were there? I think he was still just doing stage plays. And I if he did, maybe he had one that was on like BET or something like that. He but, probably had like a Diary of a Mad Black Woman or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, but. That, that wasn't the Medea type. No. It was all about being attached to music. Yes. And the I'm going to tell you the show that the first show that really changed and shifted for, and it was Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, at least for Sir. me. When that show came out, and I watched it. I you used, think, to, I used think, to watch it. Wait, so you think that... So where are you going? Let me finish. No, no, no. So first. I'm just saying like that 
I I feel like that show was the the add-on is almost like okay, even though most of those people, everybody that was on that show was there because of the music industry. It gave people an idea to say, "Oh, I can be on TV too while I'm here and do music." So let me, you know, let me just add that to it because you had some people on the show right. that were they weren't necessarily uh musicians or singers or rappers they were like okay well i'm an agent i'm i'm a promoter i'm this and a third and i'm i'm you know i got all of this going on and it just showed atlanta in this glamorous light of where things are going on and it just kind of made people it doubled down on people wanting to leave where they were to move to atlanta it was almost right. like for black people i don't have to well i live in you know i live in missouri and you mean I can just move to Atlanta and do this and right. I don't have to move to Hollywood? Yep. I'll go to Atlanta. Right. You know, so it it just kind of changed. And so when you said that <laughs> it's illegal to be average, we need to put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> it's true. It is. You know, it's, but you're right, though. So you did. And, and I see it a lot on different things on social media. A lot of people do migrate to Atlanta from um, a lot of south, southeastern, mm-hmm. southwestern type areas. Like, I think anywhere between, and not necessarily Texas, but you're right, your Missouri's, your Mississippi's, your Alabama's, you do see people. Florida. Yeah, that moved to Atlanta. You know, when we got there, there were a lot of people who moved to Atlanta from Detroit, from mm-hmm. that Midwestern area. And they may still do that. I don't know. But um, even now, as we watch, you know, Big Meech and BMF, mm-hmm. that was a, that was almost like the Oregon Trail for Detroit, right? Like <laughs> you started in Detroit and then you migrated to Atlanta, to right? Atlanta. That was just what yeah. it was. I don't know if that happens as much now as it did then, um, but you're right. You know, a lot of those surrounding areas, they see what's on TV and that attracts them because you don't have the same type of opportunities where you are locally. So you go right around the corner where you do feel like you have an opportunity and it's a lot of things that you can do. And when you start seeing and no knock on the dance hustle, but when you start seeing, you know, strippers in Atlanta that are making, you know, thousands, hundreds, thousands of dollars and driving mm-hmm. all this nice cars and all of that. I mean, you want to be a part of that hustle. Now, I don't think that's the same anymore because all you have to do now is get an OnlyFans subscription. Exactly. But yeah. um, at the time, you know, when you you see this migration, that that's what was attracted to them. So you're right with love and hip hop because Real Housewives of Atlanta was a different type of mm-hmm. individual. Those were in, those were people in Atlanta that had been there for a while. They were established primarily. They were married to either athletes um, or pretty big hitters. Yeah, you know, and somebody attached to music, real estate. Right. Yep. Yeah, it was that yep. was different. So that was a certain subgroup of individuals that had paid their dues. So. You, you know, loving hip hop was that other generation, uh, whether it was, you know, that single individual or person attached to the entertainment industry that feel like they can make their way. Yeah. And and they it, they so all of this stuff that we're talking about in terms of the, the entertainment industry, the mentality that comes with, you know, you have to you cannot be average. All of that compounds the dating scene right. and the dating dynamic and trying to have a long term relationship because if we look at just the TV and, and this stuff that we're speaking on, this came after we had left. We had right. we had long been gone from Atlanta when these this stuff started to get popular. But if you look at the dynamic of the two shows, at least in Real Housewives, these were ladies who were married. They were in relationships. Right. They were trying to work through their issues together. They were married. The marriages weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, right. but they were married. Then the flip side of love and hip hop, nobody was married on that show. And the one couple that was married, they were having problems all the time. I think that was um, Kirk and Rashida. Um, they were having problems. Yes. And everybody else was single, baby mamas. Are you with me? I don't know if uh, you know. We are we together? Are we going? We've been dating for six years, and you haven't married me yet, or you haven't asked me to marry you yet. You know, that long-term hanging on where nobody is really trying to... Nobody's thinking about, you know, we need to get life insurance together for, right. you know, when we're, you know, 20th anniversary, 30th wedding anniversary. 
you know, it was just, you know, we only been together for two years, but let's renew our vows. They go hard, man. (laughs) It's hot and heavy. And, you know, when you said it, the first thing I thought about was that Jocelyn Hernandez, Stevie, Jay thing. And that was attractive (laughs) to a lot of people, man. Because here you had this former dancer, you had this former producer. They came kind of this weird uh, type C power couple, you know, on social media, they were what people were striving to be, but they were absolutely toxic for one another and everybody Mm -hmm. around them, um, to the point where, you know, it, you know, it got violent, didn't it? You know, so, you know, it, it, but that was attractive to people because they were feeling like if that's all I got to do to get a man like this, no, not that's not really doing enough. Stevie J for the hits, man. We don't want to knock. No, yeah, but as far as the relationship guy, Stevie J back then, he was a little rough on the ladies, right? right? So, um, but because of that, that was still attractive because they feel like I want that, regardless of the repercussions of what's going to come out of this relationship. (laughs) And also, too, Lord help us. You know what it showed people too is people who were in those type of relationships mm-hmm. that thought they were alone, real hip hop, love and hip hop Atlanta showed them that they weren't alone right. going, going through this stuff. And it's like, I'm not the only one that's going through this. And so, you know, I'm watching this and, and, and I feel like those type of, you know, scenarios, they didn't draw people to demand more from their relationships. And to want to try to work to be long term, because, again, those options that are so readily available in a city like Atlanta. And now, you know what, not to just dunk on the city of Atlanta, but with the advent of social media, I feel like those options are available no matter where you live now. But still in a city of a city like Atlanta, where we just had somebody who's within the last two years he said i've dated more in the last two years than i have in my entire life mm-hmm. and that's saying a lot you know what i mean to be to move from one city to another and this is somebody that has gone through college you know what i mean that has started a professional career you know within a big city uh and charlotte is not as big as atlanta you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just it's just not but it's still considered a big city and to say, like, man, I moved to Atlanta and I, I, I've been out with more women than I have in my whole life. And right. it's absolutely believable. Yeah. And it's and it's easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's really easy. Um, and this gentleman that we're talking about, man, I'm pretty sure he is like prime meat in yep. Atlanta. You know, yep. no kids. Mm-hmm. Um, has a good job. You know, he's. Over six feet. He's in shape. He's, you know, he's in shape. He's pre- pretty much has whatever a woman is looking for. But, you know, he loves Lord. He's a, he's a good heart. But at the same time, you know, it's it's difficult to date where you're looked at as a product rather than a man that can really provide you value. And I do feel like he's probably looked at as a, more of a, a product than what he can deliver in a relationship. Um, cause you know, how you look in a relationship has become extremely valuable to, um, because of us, because of social media, yeah. all of those attributes that you just named and you, you take somebody like that and you look at the ratio of single women who say they are looking for something like that, but they will see somebody, they will meet somebody like him, you know, pick one thing out that they don't really like. And then they'll think. I'll wait for the next one to come along, mm-hmm. you know, because even though uh, the cons, you know, even though the pros outweigh the cons, it's some of these little things that I'm just not willing to make a concession for. Right. So I'll continue to wait for somebody. And then that's when you can say, that's where we get from. There are no good men out here. Or right. it's like, there's no good men. And here's the other thing that this guy said in the, um, in his, his message to me, he said, he's now in a relationship but the girl that he's seeing, she lives in D.C. Hmm. Which so, happens a lot. That happens a lot. So you're in a city where the chances of meeting a single woman are extremely high of running into a the uh, that's ready, that says she's ready to be in a relationship. But then you have to go outside the state, not in this outside the city. Mm-hmm. You go outside the state to find somebody else. Mm-hmm to be in a relationship with it. He told me that now, like he said, I feel like Atlanta is not some place that I felt like would be 
a permanent place for me. Right. And so I'm thinking about I'm already looking at when I'm going to relocate. And he's now considering, hey, I might just move to D.C. to be with this girl that I'm interested in. And I feel like most people who are single that run through Atlanta, most people, they end up it it ends up being a temporary place for them like it was for us. Cause if you're mature enough to realize like we did that, this is not the place for us. If we want to have longevity and a meaningful relationship, that's, you know, has the spiritual support that we need, we won't find it here. You know what I mean? At least not in the circles that we ran in. And that's not a knock on anybody that, you know, we were associated with. And I think a lot of those people would agree with us. Yeah, it's just things go really fast, right? Mm-hmm. And that includes the relationships. They, um, you know, you what you feel for a person in the beginning is probably not going to hold up as you go get to no. that middle or you no. know, where it eventually becomes the end of the relationship. And because of that, you know, you, the chances of this person, how do you... How do you really know this is your husband or your wife if things mm-hmm. are going this fast? Yeah. You know, and it's hard to decipher, right? And then if you really haven't dealt with yourself, <clears throat> how do you know you have the um, fortitude to be what that person needs as well? And that's, it's, it's hard to establish those things in Atlanta. It's extremely hard. It's yeah. really, really difficult. So here's the question. Okay. <clears throat> I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway for the sake of the podcast. Knowing what you know now and where you are, not just spiritually, but mentally, emotionally, you know, the things that, you know, add value to your life. Worst case scenario, if you were single, would you ever see yourself moving back to a city like Atlanta? Single moving back to Atlanta? Um, Single moving back to Atlanta. Mm, not by choice. It would have to be by like something related to like a professional reason, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't have a choice. It's a job or something like that. Um, but not by choice. I would never choose Atlanta as a place that I'm going to live because this is the next stage of my life at 43 years old. Right. Absolutely not. I no. don't care. No, no, it wouldn't happen. It was no way. Um, because especially if I had lived there, no. It's no way I'm going to move there. But if my job was like, well, we want you to be there, I mean, that's different. Right? Right. I have a choice. Um, but no. But I might find another job. <laughs> right. But see, here's the thing, though. Here's the dynamic of that. Right. If you did have to go there and it wasn't by choice, so say your employer said, hey, transfer to Atlanta or be laid off. And you like your job, you so you take the transfer. You would probably be like this guy. And find somebody right. that lives in a different city because long distance relationships now are much more palatable right. than they were 10, 15 years ago because social media has made the world so much, so much smaller. smaller. Right. You know, so <clears throat> I would have to co-sign on what you said. Like, I don't if I had to if, you know, God forbid, if I'm single and all of a sudden I have to think about leaving and moving somewhere else. I don't even think Atlanta would be mm-hmm. in the top five, top radar, eight. Man. It wouldn't. It wouldn't make the list. I don't know where I would go, but Atlanta would not be on the list. No, not at all. Because it's no. Like I know what I'm going <clears> to <throat> get out of that, and I don't. I don't want to live like that anymore. No, you know what I mean. So no. that's why um, I wouldn't have any desire in it. Um, it's a. It's still a great place to visit. Yeah, it's a great place to leave too. Yes, yeah. and and listen, we're not. We're not knocking, you know, we are, we're speaking from our experience and Atlanta is a type of city that if you're thinking about moving there and you have the means to do so where you can go and pick up and leave, then I would not discourage anybody from experience in the city. Like it is a place that, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of good things about living in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a whole lot of good things. things I miss. You oh, know, absolutely. I, I think Atlanta um, had one of the best music scenes. Bar none. And me being from Detroit, that's saying a lot because yeah. Detroit is still very rich with music. Mm-hmm. I mean, our tours are outstanding. Yep. Even though the city may not be nowhere near the magnitude of Atlanta, everyone comes to Detroit. Everybody. So, Everybody. Um, especially me experiencing where no one comes to Detroit. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it's gotten better, but it's still bad. It so is, with me yeah. being in Detroit and then living in Atlanta, yeah, I missed that. It was something about the culture there that was dope. Um, it was always something happening there that was exciting. Um, those things were cool, but that's why it's a great place to visit. And, um, you know, that's, those are the things I think that people should experience a bit, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily feel that you have to move there to experience it. No, it it has a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. It has a whole lot to offer. And, you know, the drop off, I mean, what you say, like where we live now, you know, that was one of the sole reasons why we bought tickets to see Chris Rock because I couldn't believe he was coming. Here. Right, all right. You know, I right, was like, right, "Wait, right. what? He's right. coming to Charlotte?" Right. Yes, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, that's how bad it is here. When you see, you know, and like you said, it has gotten better. Yes, but it's still not. It's definitely not, you know, like it like it was in Atlanta, and it's definitely not like it was or like it is in Detroit. You're right because I've seen the. The biggest artists I've ever seen in my life are actually here in Charlotte, believe it or not. Mm, okay. Um, the biggest artists, the best concerts were still in Atlanta. Still, <laughs> still, still Atlanta. But uh, you know, I've you know seen some of the the top of the top, right? Mm-hmm. But um, it's still what didn't compare to just going to this spot on Wednesday, and it's a very intimate affair, and it's just mm-hmm. dope music. You know, yeah. my favorite spot back in the day was a Tabernacle. I used to love mm-hmm. the freaking yep. Tabernacle man because mm-hmm. we had amazing experiences there yep. you know um used to hang tight you know with individuals my brother and all those people and it was just it was dope and then we ate good it didn't matter if you ate ex- if it was something expensive or if it was something that was inexpensive mm-hmm. you still ate good you know should we still talk about cute time to this day to, to this, this day, day. To, to this day, day. <laughs> it was good, man. So, you know, you know, still talk about Jamal's and this is when it was a shack, not when it yep. was a chain. Yeah, it's a chain. Now <laughs> it was a shack in front of Papa John's and it a was literal amazing. shack. Yes. When we absolutely. say, if you know, if you know the Papa John's, I mean, uh, the, the Jamal's, the location we're talking about, you know, it yes. is a straight up it shack. Was it was more like a almost like a guard shed. Yes, it's exactly <laughs> you know? like it was a literal Shack. It was an outhouse in mm-hmm. front of Papa John's, and you would, and get, you would the get the best. banging in his wing. Oh, man. And look, I fell in love with hot wings because of because Jamal's. of Jamal's. Okay, yeah. fell in love. <laughs> I had never. I had thought I, you know, me being in Detroit, having hot wings was pretty much small fried right. wing dish, yes. right? Yep. Shoot, man, look, changed Jamal's. my life. Yeah, it sure did. <laughs> We didn't know we needed it like that until we had it. Yeah, know? man. That was, uh, that, but see, those are the type of things that, you know, really stand out to me. Like, it's it's some things that's worth it, and you yeah. have to experience it there. But, um, but you know, at the, at the same time, though, when it comes to, like, family, it comes to things like uh, being a husband and a good wife, it's going to be challenging. challenging. Yeah. Extremely challenging because you have <clears throat> a lot of people from all over with different types of mindsets that may not feel the same way that you will. And they're going to challenge it. Right. And then I'm not talking about relational either. I'm talking about your job. And this is, and I know we're getting towards the end and this is what I was researching. And this is the thing about Atlanta. Atlanta is everyone's, especially when it comes to black people, it's your mountaintop experience. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm talking about when Jesus was led to the mountain, and this is a, it's Matthew 4, 8. And it says, again, the devil took him up exceedingly high on the mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And a lot of people fall for that mountain, that mountain mm-hmm. experience. Instead of saying, you know what, this isn't for me. This looks so good. I'm going to take it. And then next thing you know, you get engrossed with it and other things you know, whether it's, you know, your spirit or your family suffers from the decision that you make. And then you're in a, then you're in a situation wondering what happened. You may have all the money in the world. You may have all the women in the world. You may have all the dudes in the world, whatever, but you've lost something. It's because you've given up, you've given up everything for an idol and you don't even realize it's happened. Here's, here's an example of how the, here's an example of the degree in which a city like Atlanta can swallow you up. Yes. Okay. I know personally a couple who were married. They left where they were. They moved to Atlanta, married. Mm-hmm. They lived there for maybe three years, mm-hmm. and they ended up divorced. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard this story many, many of times with many, many of people. Yeah. They moved to Atlanta. They got divorced. She started 
running with a crowd of other women mm-hmm. and that you know they was you know these are the girls night out type you know mm-hmm. uh females and it it took a toll on their marriage where she started she got sucked in she was glamored by you know the glow of Atlanta mm-hmm. and she all of a sudden had these major music aspirations. Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing that we didn't talk about, and I don't know how we didn't get to this, but <clears throat> I was even told it, it was implied that she, you know, with these these ladies that she was hanging out with, you know, she started picking up some lesbian on undertones. Yes, I've heard this minty, minty of times. You know, so... Whether it's a lesbian or the... The other um, way. Uh, yeah, the, the homosexual way, either way. I've heard about it. Yeah, it, it happens. And so, she ended up staying in Atlanta. He ended up moving back to where they were from originally. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, all a city, it just took a city. You know what I mean? And... You know, somebody can make the argument that maybe they weren't as stable as everybody thought they were. But the the pull of the city exposed all of that and how they weren't able to process it and overcome those challenges and give in to them. And it caused cost them their marriage. Mm-hmm. And we know a lot of people that that's just one example of thousands yeah. of that happened where people. You know, they start running with certain crowds. They get introduced to stuff that, that they didn't they didn't know they liked. Yep. And it just changes their whole worldview. And then they're just this totally different person. Marriage has no value in Atlanta to mm-hmm. me. It I, just I doesn't agree. mean anything. You know, it's like agree. it's a it's another form of relationship that's legally binding to individuals. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's nothing, you know, spiritual about it in that city. It's just that, um, you know, it's and this is honestly happen to a lot of different marriages, but it becomes a social media spectacle mm-hmm. rather than a bond or a, a joining of two individuals. And that's, you know, we, we know that's going to end, you know, we know where it's yeah. going to end. So yeah. So nothing is nothing traumatizing like the force. Okay. Nothing and, is worse than that. Yeah. And, and we knew that if we, if we want to have even more of a chance of a successful marriage, we had to do it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it had yeah. to be somewhere else. Yeah. And had to be. If you're if you're a couple in Atlanta that's doing it and you're doing it well and it's not a put on, it's not a show for people around you, we say bravo to yeah, you. Absolutely. I know you we know you're there. Yeah. You know, we know, we know, know you're out there. Um, you are the you are at a very high level as far as Especially if, you know, you're doing well professionally, you have a strong bond, strong marriage, you have a beautiful family. Look, mm-hmm. you are what Atlanta was made for, right? right. Um, you know, and so you should definitely hang your head really high because of that. Because it's 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 a rarity and you're not looked at as something that a lot of people want. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you did it, hey, man, hey, woman, yep. big ups to Congratulations. you. Absolutely. And for the people that are listening to this who are single that are living in Atlanta. Uh, You know, we are praying for you, uh, but you're going to have to work extra hard. And you're going to have to look in some unconventional places if you want to find some sense of any type of long-term relationship that turns into something. If you want to be married, if if marriage is an aspiration for you, you know, it's not impossible uh, in a city like Atlanta, but it's compounded Mm -hmm. by so much. Uh, and if you're planning to get married and you're about about to spend eighty thousand dollars on your wedding, please don't. If you're going to do that, first of all, I hope you somebody has a home. Let's start off with yeah. that. But secondly, at least take a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand, and use it towards counseling please before do. you get married. Do at yourself the very a favor. least. If you're going to spend that much, take a small piece of that and put it towards some strong marriage, pre-marriage counseling, you're going to need it. You will. You will. So I think that's a good way to wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a good dialogue. I mean, and there's so much more that we could we could have said, so many more things that we could have gone into. Uh, but I think we I think we covered a lot of ground. You did. We did. I think it's um, it's you know, I, I, we're the only culture that somehow 
feel like we don't need one another. Mm-hmm. And Atlanta is like this, it's the Mecca yeah. <laughs> of the pinnacle of our relationships. And, um, you know, I think we touched on, you know, why it's, it's valuable, but also why it's hurting us as well. Yeah.